Welcome to our podcast, Senior Living Straight Talk, hosted by V. As your clients prepare to make the most of retirement, they likely have questions. We can help you develop your answers. On Senior Living Straight Talk, we speak with industry experts about some of the most frequently discussed topics on seniors' minds today, from estate planning and taxes to the myriad of retirement living options in the market. Tune in to gain new ideas and creative solutions for your clients. I'm Pam Fultz, Senior Community Relations Manager with V. On today's segment, we're discussing considerations when researching senior living communities. And we are welcoming back Brad Breeding. You'll recognize that name. We've had him on as a guest before. He's a senior living financial expert and also a national author and speaker about topics surrounding senior living and financial planning. He's also the co-founder of the website, My Life Site. Welcome, Brad, and thank you for joining us again. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me back. Well, we've been talking about a lot of different types of senior living communities. Today, we want to focus on specifically the type A life plan communities. So aside from the obvious entrance and monthly fees, what are the financial nuances of living in this type of a type A life plan community? Yeah. So, you know, when you think about CCRCs, continuing care retirement communities, there's lots of different types of contracts that are offered out there among all the different various communities across the country. And these are the the residency contracts, or sometimes I'll refer to them as, as almost more like payment structures, because really the differences between the contracts by and large really come down to kind of how you pay in terms of today versus care you might need tomorrow and the trade-offs. So what I mean by that is a life care contract is unique in the sense that uh, what happens is a, a resident in a life care community essentially pays the same monthly fee no matter where they are within that community. So if you are living independently, let's say you're still perhaps very active and and social and all these things, you don't require any type of assisted living or health care, then you know, you're going to pay your monthly fee, whatever that is. And that can vary based on the size of the residence, whether it's one bedroom or two bedrooms or an apartment or a villa or what have you. But whatever that monthly rate is. And then if you need care later on, if you have to go, say, to the assisted living center or the healthcare center, you'll continue paying that same monthly fee. And so that gives predictability. It makes it a lot easier to plan because you really sort of know what your out-of-pocket monthly cost is going to be, no matter how much care you may need down the road. And so it just simplifies planning and really helps to, you know, just give that predictability that's valuable to a lot of people. Now, that doesn't mean that there can't be inflationary increases. It doesn't mean that there can't be certain ancillary charges for things I mean, that's that gets into the nuance and that can vary from one community to another. But just generally speaking, let's say conceptually, that's the way a life care contract works. And so that was actually going to be my next question was, what is the cost for future care? So it's really being worked in when you to the cost of moving into one of these types of communities from the start. That's right. If it's a life care contract, then it is kind of being built in to those expenses. There's a whole model that sort of goes into this from an operations standpoint that works uh, a little bit like an insurance contract in some ways. In fact, some states actually regulate 
CCRC contracts as what they call quasi-insurance contracts and things of this nature. And so, yeah, in, in many ways, residents are, you know, what, what the residents are paying today while living independently helps to go towards or helps offset the cost of care that may be needed in the future. And there are other types of contracts, of course, that are not like care contracts. So a CCRC may have very similar uh, offerings in terms of services and amenities and lifestyle and all of these things. But if they don't have a life care contract, then the way that works is that the residents just pay more as they go. So you have a certain amount for that you're paying while living independently. And then if you need assisted living or nursing care, you would pay more for that as needed. So there's always these trade-offs to how these things work. And you need to understand that this gets really into the nuance. Again, we're really talking conceptual here today. So understand the contracts and, and the details and the nuance. But that's generally speaking how it works when you're comparing a life care to what we often call more of a fee-for-service type of contract. Well, you bring up an interesting point, too, because there are V communities across the country in several different states, and there are senior living communities in all the states across the country. So the contracts wouldn't necessarily be the same from state to state because they're regulated differently, correct? That's right. It's really more about the definitions. So, you know, what one state might consider a life care contract may be a little different than what a different state considers a life care contract. And for that matter, even a continuing care retirement community in general, the definition of what, you know, a continuing care retirement community is can be different from one state to another. And and that makes it really difficult, you know, to do. People often ask us, is there like one big database with all the CCRCs and ratings and rankings and all these kind of things? And it's just hard because when you get into it, you realize that what some some places or some states consider a CCRC, others may not and vice versa. So unfortunately, you know, it really requires a fair amount of due diligence and, and research and homework on the part of the consumer. And we are talking about researching senior living communities and all the considerations that go into that. We talked about cost and also the care components, which are really more tangible. But what about the intrinsic value of living in one of these type A life plan communities? Yeah, I would say there's sort of two layers to that. I think in general, a continuing care retirement community does bring peace of mind. I mean, that's what we hear a lot. And that means different things to different people. And there's really no way, you asked about the intrinsic value, there's really no way to measure the actual value of peace of mind. But that's obviously very, very important and holds a lot of weight for people because obviously within a continuing care retirement community, you have a plan in place. You have that full continuum of care. So you know that no matter what your needs are, it can be met by that community, whether it's assisted living, nursing care, perhaps memory care, et cetera. And so certainly there's a peace of mind there. But then when we talk about a life care community or a life care contract, as I explained earlier, where that monthly rate stays predictable, that I think adds even more uh, intrinsic value there because it just simplifies the planning process and really gives you, as I said, that predictability that I mentioned earlier. And that doesn't mean it's right for everybody. And before there's always trade-offs, some people might prefer a fee-for-service contract or some other type 
type of retirement community for various reasons. You always have to weigh out the pros and cons of everything. But in the right situation for the right people, that predictability and that simplified planning can make a lot of sense. And we keep talking about doing your research, doing your homework to determine what would be the best fit for you if a senior living community would be the best fit for you. But making that decision, do you recommend that people do this on their own or should they have a team in place when we talk about financial advisors, um, tax advisors, family members? I would say yes, for sure. You want to have a team in place, particularly family members. I think, you know, If you have adult children, I think having that conversation is very important. I've seen situations where, ironically, the the older adult, the parents, are interested and perhaps even ready to move into a continuing care retirement community. And it's the adult children who say, oh, you're not ready for that. (laughs) You're not not old enough for that because they still view it as a nursing home, you know, an old folks home. And they probably don't have a full understanding of the things that we've just talked about. That peace of mind and having a plan in place, which at the end of the day will help them as the adult children because it'll take that burden off of them. And they're, that way they can, when they see their parents, when they go to visit them at this, content, this retirement community, they can use that time to just enjoy being together and not have to worry about all the other aspects of, well, what happens, particularly if there's a fall or a stroke or a heart attack, there's already a, a, a team there within that, organi- that organization to help provide that kind of support. So certainly family members, advisors, attorneys, CPAs, yes, I would say to some degree, having their input is definitely important. At the same time, I think they need to have an understanding of some of what we've talked about and how CCRCs work, what to look for, because if they don't really understand that and understand the nuance, then it's, you know, the, the, the input and the guidance they can provide will be more limited, obviously. Again, a, a great conversation, good information you're providing us today. Any final or parting thoughts? One of the things I always tell people is that when you're looking at a really any retirement community, but particularly a continuing care or a life care community is that, you know, this is, it's more than just finding a place to live, right? It's really about more of how to live and about having a plan and a lifestyle and a culture and all of these things that we kind of touched on in one of our previous, when you had me on previously, but you know, it's, it's, we all want a nice place. We want to walk in. It needs to look nice. We want the nice, you know, the be well kept, the nice chandeliers or whatever, the fancy things and all these amenities. That's all great. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean anything if the community is not the right fit for you and your personality and the culture. So one of the things that I hear so often when we talk to residents at retirement communities is when we ask them, you know, what do you really like about living here? One of the things we always hear is the people, you know, the relationships, the friendships, the support network, all of that is very important. So I think that's the bigger picture that people need to really think about. Thank you so much, Brad, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Again, Brad Breeding, Senior Living Financial Expert and co-founder of the website, My Life Site. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Tune in again to gain new ideas and creative solutions for your clients on Senior Living Straight Talk, hosted by V. On Senior Living Straight Talk, we speak with industry experts about some of the most frequently discussed topics on seniors' minds today. The intent of this podcast is to educate, 
Views presented do not constitute advice or services. Content covered in the podcast should not be construed as legal or financial advice.